Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to the heart and soul of Edinburgh, as Scott Wilson calls them, Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Thank you for, for telling me who I am, because I'm at day, goodness knows what, of whichever <laughs> day it is, and um, I just want football to come back, but it's not possible. Sport's not possible. The most important thing right now is people's health, and as we record this, outside certainly your flat in Musselburgh, Laurie, I, I believe you've just had some applause, as is now common, for the wonderful staff of the National Health Service. Yes, we're recording just after 8pm now on a Thursday evening. Um, I was going to say, I usually can't tell what day of day it is these days, but yes, the applause which I just heard outside uh, for, of course, the wonderful NHS staff, as you mentioned, uh, reminded me of the time and day, and yeah, well-deserved. And obviously that does remind us all that there's uh, a lot going on, a lot bigger things than football, but at the same time, we do still need to... To, I guess, talk about football. And in some ways, it, it can be a welcome respite. Um, a lot going on just now. A lot of it probably not so welcome, especially from a Hearts perspective. And we will talk about that because since our last uh, show last week, there has been a statement and a proposal, of course, from the SPFL. There's been statements from Heart of Midlothian and statements from other clubs. Still a lot going on. You know, there's a lot that we both probably haven't read into yet because there's so many strands to this. Um, but we're going to get into it a little bit. Um, I think it's necessary at this time. Um, so we'll talk about that. We are going to talk as well about the player departures from Hearts that hit you the hardest. That was the kind of homework topic from last week. And yeah, I, I always want to end up by saying, and we'll look ahead to the next game. It almost just slips out, but we, we can't do that yet. Before we get stuck into the topics this week, I just want to wish a belated happy birthday to one of our listeners, uh, Anne Waddle, who turned 50 on the 6th of April, which is three days ago now um, at the point of recording. Uh, that was from Ian White, who also listens to the show. Both of them are huge jambos. So I thought quickly, Anne, I would just uh, mention some other things to do with your, your birthday, the 6th of April. Uh, Neil Berry was also born. On the 6th of April, he just turned 57. And um, on this day, Hearts actually won the Scottish Cup in 1901. They beat Celtic 4-3 at Ibrox. Um, and in 1996, they reached the final of the Scottish Cup when they beat Aberdeen 2-1 at Hamden. A game that was shown recently on um, Twitter. You can see the clips. Uh, 0-0 with 11 minutes to go. Robbo gave Hearts the lead. Duncan Shearer appeared to have saved the Dons with three minutes to go before a late-headed winner from Alan Johnston. So um, there's your your gift from us. Uh, many happy returns. Anne. Right. On to the football. So there's been a lot of news. Um, and, and just today, at the time of recording, it has been confirmed that the season in Scotland has been suspended until the 10th of June at the earliest, and clubs will need six weeks of training, apparently, before any resumption, which pushes us to the end of July, pretty much. Um, but rewind 24 hours or so. So yesterday, uh, which is Wednesday the 8th of April, the SPFL announced that member clubs are to vote on a resolution that recommends the termination of the 2019-20 season in the Championship League One and League Two. So this proposal basically terminates the season at its current point and finalises the placings based on a points-per-game basis. Uh, this would mean that the relegations and promotions are confirmed, although there will be no playoffs. Uh, having a look through the divisions, the lower leagues, there's actually going to only be one positional change if this goes through, and that's Arbroath would jump ahead of Dunfermline, so 5th and 6th place swapping in the Championship. Um, if they did do it in the Premiership, incidentally, only one positional change there, and that would be St Johnston would leapfrog Hibs into 6th. Uh, but at this stage, due to UEFA's threat that European places may be um, at risk 
if nations try to finish league seasons without all the matches being played. The Premiership is not part of this proposal. However, it does state that the same approach would be applied if the games can't be played. So certainly it's going to be linked. Um, This would mean uh, if this does go ahead, the current one, the season would finish. Playoffs would be cancelled. Dundee United, Wraith Rovers and Cove Rangers would all be promoted respectively. Partick Thistle and Stranraer would be relegated. Uh, Brechin would be spared relegation despite being seven adrift at the bottom of League Two and nobody would get the chance to come up to the SPFL from non-league, obviously given there is a playoff process for that. Falkirk would stay in League One despite being just a point behind leaders Raytham with a home game against the league leader still to play. That was set to be the last game of the season. And Partick Thistle would be relegated from the Championship despite only being two points off second bottom and with a game in hand. This weekend, actually, they were due to play second bottom Queen of the South. Um, In regards to the Premiership, Hearts, of course, four adrift, but had played one of their nearest rivals, St Mirren, twice away, just once at home, not to mention the fact Hearts had played Rangers and Celtic more than Saints. Um, Incidentally, interestingly, when you're comparing it to the Premiership, last season at the end of March, St Mirren themselves were bottom of the table. They ended up 11 points clear of Dundee. So... um, too many questions, I would feel, if this was to happen. But it could get voted through. What were your initial thoughts, Mark, when you saw this come out from the SPFL? Well, first of all, I think it's very interesting that last stat you gave about St Mirren um, being adrift and then ending up 11 points clear. So uh, I wish to read a pre-prepared statement. Um, from you? From myself. From me. <laughs> okay, excellent. From, from me. Very organised. Yes. Here we go. This was in response to friends of mine, two Rangers fans, uh, a Celtic fan, and Ian Mercer, Wallace's son, in our WhatsApp group. And this is what I said this morning. And uh, excuse me, because it'll take about a minute and a half, two minutes to read, but hopefully it makes sense. Um, It's in relation to the article on BBC Scotland Online, Tom English's article, which uh, was excellent. It wasn't a viewpoint. It was a, here's what's happening, here's all the details. So, here's what I said. Just read the article on BBC Scotland website. Everyone's shitting themselves over the new TV deal from next season and potentially losing money or losing out altogether on the pounds. Quote from the BBC article, that new deal is worth about £125 million to the Scottish game. It's obligated to begin in August, or as close to August as is feasible. If we're still playing the 2019-20 season through August and September, then the SPFL fear that the contract is compromised. Back to me in response. Has anyone stopped to consider that we might not have any sport for the remainder of this calendar year? People trying to second-guess when this thing will be over. The normalcy we knew before COVID-19 is a thing of the past. Nobody knows what the new normal will be. Nobody knows when the new normal will start. The likelihood of getting the go-ahead to restart Scottish football with people in stadiums has to be minimal. Who's going to give large gatherings of thousands the green light when right now we're advised not to go within six feet of strangers? Plus, everyone seems to be assuming that once we get the go-ahead to play again, that'll be it. There'll be no future interruptions. Imagine the same thing happened next year and the vaccine still had not been procured. We'd be in exactly the same fucked-up position that we are in right now. And is it even worth playing Scottish football with no one in the stands? This country that relies on punters coming through the gates a lot more than other nations due to a much smaller team. The SPFL saying they cannot without prize money until the league season is over is utter bollocks. Rules can be changed. Even the Constitution of the United States from 1789 was changed slightly in 1992. Do they really expect us to believe that if one of the top flight was to go under because of all this, that we wouldn't find a way to rescue them by paying prize money due at the end of the season now? if that was the difference between them going bust or staying alive. And, of course, the story in the Times today saying the Premier League are considering giving prize money out based on current positions. The SPFL is a nonsense. Every single club in the top flight is guaranteed at least 1.125 million prize money. That's what you get if you finish bottom. 
guaranteed. Pay it now. And if you want to go further, then Celtic can mathematically finish no lower than second. Give them the 2.4 million now, with the rest to come later. Rangers can finish no lower than fourth. So they're guaranteed at least 1.812 million. Motherwell are guaranteed to finish in the top six, so they get at least 1.56 million, etc. Plus a share of the TV money distributed to the 12 clubs in a similar fashion. Nearly there. <sighs> that should give everyone a month or two to chat more in a bit to find a solution and discuss alternatives, potential restructuring, and also find a plan B for what would happen if there was no Scottish football as we know it until, say, 2021 in a worst-case scenario. This fascination about starting a new season with nobody having any idea when that would even be and just flipping flippantly ditching a season that's already 75% completed is absolute bonkers. I'm with Rangers and Hearts on this. If we get relegated because of results on the pitch and not because of a vote in various boardrooms, I'll have no complaints whatsoever. We will not have been good enough. So far, we haven't been good enough. And if that continues, then so be it. But this should be done on a football pitch. And I'm pretty sure privately Celtic would rather win the title on their own merits yeah. because they will win it than forever have that 1920 season asterisk attached to their league win. Sadly, we've got no choice but to trust those in charge of Scottish football to find a sensible solution. But given their history of decision-making, I'm not holding my breath, Laurie, for a sensible resolution. Very well put. I almost almost lost you for a bit, but I, I, I've left this all in because we got, we got all the words in. Uh, obviously, those who listen know that we do this uh, via the internet, so it's not always perfect. But we got, I would say, 98% of that. And it was all very well put. Um, and you've, you've covered a lot of the points I had noted to speak about. Um, one of the main ones being, this seems to be largely driven by money in terms of, we need to finish the season to release the money. And I'm with you. You've actually went into a bit more detail. So thank you for that. The fact that I, my immediate assumption was give everyone the minimum they can get. You easily do that. But you know, you've made a good point as well that if people mathematically can't go any higher or lower, then give them what they would definitely be getting. There's no way that they would be getting any less than or any more than you know the figures you've, you've mentioned. So uh, no, it's, it's a good point as well. And the other big thing I was going to mention as well is we don't know. This this obsession was saying that if the season had, if, if teams need at least six weeks to prepare for the new season, which is due to start in August, then you're talking about teams getting back to training late June. That's not that is not happening. There's there's, there's no way that is happening. So I think you're totally right. I, I understand the fear about money and getting things set up, but we just don't know why are we obsessed with next season when we we don't even know when next season would be able to start. So. I agree. There seems to be a lot of rushing to get to a resolution here. And I mean, if they if they finished the season, decided to do all these things, this the legal battle is going to start. But what if we then find ourselves in, in five, six months' time and we still haven't got anywhere nearer to to figuring out when the next season started? Why would we have Why would we have even done all that? It just It just seems crazy. It seems crazy to me. You made a, a lot of good points. Closed doors, is it worth it as well? Like you said, that's where most of the money comes for, for Scottish teams. And my fear here, my fear with this is self-preservation. And I can't say for sure that I am not completely blinded by self-preservation. To me, it just seems, the whole concept seems completely unfair, to be fair. In all honesty, I think the whole idea of finishing something before everyone's had a fair crack at it. And I mean, Park Thistle have an even bigger argument than Hearts ever could, because if Park Thistle win their game in hand, they're not bottom, <laughs> which is um, which is crazy, I think. I mean, obviously, we're four points adrift with the same games played, so people might argue you've all played the same games, but you couldn't make it one rule for one league and one rule for the other, I don't really think. I don't think that would be fair. How would... Can you really relegate someone when if they've got that game in hand and winning that game in hand would actually put them technically still in that division as things stand. It just, it seems, it, it does seem crazy, but are we, do you think Mark, and obviously we are going to be, we're going to have some slight bias about this. I don't think we can help it. Are we being blinded by, by, um, by self-preservation from a heart's perspective? Because to me, it just, 
I just can't see how this would possibly be a fair way to do anything. I'd say exactly the same if Hearts were any other position in the league. Rangers said the same as well. Now, look, players advocate, oh, Rangers are second and, and Hearts are bottom. Of course they're, they're going to vote this way. But you're talking about average points. What about strength of schedule? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's think about that. You, you just you said in, in your um, in your little piece you're talking about Hearts have played Rangers and Celtic more often than St. Mirren have. So yeah. the, the bottom line is, as we said before, there, there's there's not going to be one thing, uh, one decision that's made that everyone's going to be satisfied with. The problem that some some team like Hearts may have with all this, and that's why they have to be vociferous now, um, is if it does and when it does go to a vote. It's going to be harder to overturn from a legal perspective because the members of that um, league, the SPFL, have voted. So it's going to be a lot harder to try and overturn that in a court of law because it's not a he said, she said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I'll quickly go through. Anne Budge released a statement um, yesterday, so after this had come out. Um, It's not a hugely long one, so I'll just quickly go through. Uh, Following the SPFL briefings held today and having now had the opportunity uh, to read the written resolution being proposed, I can confirm that Heart of Midlothian will not be voting in favour of the proposal as it stands. Over the past 24 hours, in advance of today's meetings, a number of clubs have been discussing possible options and sharing ideas. Many of those clubs believe, as we do, that a decision of such magnitude requires significantly more discussion and debate than has been made available to us. I am absolutely understanding that finding an equitable outcome for all will not be easy. However, I firmly believe that we must try to find a solution which ensures that no club should be penalised as a consequence of these exceptional circumstances. It was emphasised today that some clubs, particularly those in the lower leagues, need funds to be released to help them navigate their way through the exceptional situation. I do not accept, however, that this resolution needs to be passed in order to release those funds. If the government can change the laws of the land within 24 hours to cope with this crisis, then surely it cannot be impossible for Scottish football's governing bodies to modify rules to get things done. This is a time for pragmatism, not rules. There are other ways of addressing the current financial challenges, and as such, we will be supporting the members' resolution being put forward by Rangers. I wrote to the SPFL on the 15th of March, asking that all 42 clubs be given the opportunity and time to discuss this situation fully. That has not happened, and we now find ourselves once again in apparent disarray. For the avoidance of doubt, I am not pointing fingers at the SPFL executive, nor indeed at the board, as I know how much effort has gone into trying to find a way through this totally unprecedented situation. However, an issue of this scale was never was always going to be uh, always going to demand full involvement of the member clubs. I also ask that we try to see this as an opportunity to look at whether a league restructure, so often talked about, uh, could help us through this difficult time. I was disappointed to read in the papers today that it will be considered, but it was also stated that it is very difficult to achieve consensus behind any restructuring proposal, let alone quickly. This is an emergency situation and clubs acknowledge that many and many accept that it needs actions befitting an emergency situation. Decisions taken to see us through this emergency do not have to be cast in stone. We need to look at the restructuring option with belief that it will help and not with negativity. This is a time for all clubs and SPFL partners to pull together to find an, to find an equitable solution for all. If something is right, it is right. If it is wrong, it is wrong. We will continue to lobby for doing the right thing, both for clubs and for Scottish football. So I thought it was fair. and I think it was pretty much to be expected. I mean, we have a few of the reactions from other clubs as well. Rangers, uh, you know, stated a few things. All 30 games, 80 games need to be played. Prize money um, can be released to help clubs, though. Um, I noticed Derek McInnes of Aberdeen said he feels that they deserve the chance to finish third. Hearts deserve the chance to stay up. Rangers deserve the chance to catch Celtic. And Celtic deserve the chance to win the league properly. And you made a good point, actually, Mark. And I was saying this to to a few people yesterday. I don't really think Celtic want to have that asterisk, like you mentioned, next to that title win. There's always that question, Mark. We won 10 in a row. Well, you won 8 in a row and then there was a 
dodgy nine which wasn't really official and then you went and won another one so they'll always have that question mark i would think and i know some celtic fans who said this needs to be played out we can't just make the decision now and part of it will be thinking about that it tarnishes that league title albeit through no fault of their own um for uh, livingston incidentally they've come out and said they fully support the proposal um, they do make reference to prize money being paid out, though, and fulfilling TV contracts. So I think a lot of their concerns are related to those items. Um, no surprise, Falkirk came out and uh, were against the proposal. Uh, and, of course, Partick Thistle came out and were against the proposal as well. But, again, you, you maybe can't expect too much um, other than those stances. What would what would your preference be right now, Mark? That's what we would do. Or- we'd be- with the situation, would it be a case of just hold out for the time being, pay out this money so clubs can survive and 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 just get this dialogue started? Because that seems to be the big thing that these clubs are mentioning: Hearts, Rangers, um, Falkirk, um, and I think possibly Park. There needs to be more discussion. This hasn't been discussed enough. Clubs have yeah. not been involved. I said that in, in the diatribe that I went through. Um, it's too hasty. It's, yeah. it's too hasty. I've, I've given you the solution. Again, this is a podcast about identifying problems and trying to find a solution. It's easy to muckrake. We do that at times, but we'll at least try and, and see both sides of the story. So for that, the solution I would say is if you know exactly how much someone's going to get a minimum of, then pay them. Give yourself four to eight weeks to do that. But what they've done by saying we're going to have a vote by this Friday, you're putting yourself in a position whereby – it doesn't matter if, if Championship League One and, and League Two are called as far as European football is concerned. And, and UEFA, who basically, the last we heard from them, were saying, look, to Belgium, careful here. If you maybe do this right now, then there could be an opportunity that you don't play in European football next season. This is what we have to realise in something like this, which has never, ever happened before. There is no, well, when that happened, this is what we did. That's why... And Budge has been criticised a lot, and I feel unfairly. She has stuck her head above the parapet. We've had numerous statements. Uh, the chairman's statement has been a, a regular thing that's appeared on the Hearts Twitter account. Yet you've got those that say Robert Thompson's one of them. We've mentioned him before, the journalist. No problem whatsoever with Robert, but he came out and copied or retweeted the chairman's statement with his tweet. And Budge, who cited the slow-moving cogs of government for cutting boys' wages quickly, now using the speed of government's response to further another argument. This is not something that very few people have got right. Over here in the United States, in the UK, with regards to how we're going to deal with this, it's an ever-changing scenario. Mistakes were made. I get that. But continuity, for someone to come out, for clarity, to keep you updated, you're still going to have people that say, Ann Budge said that. Yeah, but... It's the what about in society that are just rampant right now. And Budge has made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. We've all done stuff. We all went out prior to it. And I'm not going to uh, like say that I didn't do it as well. When I, when I was told to stay and I've done it. But when the restaurants were still open, up until I was able to get the last drink at a bar, I did it on that day. The, the state hadn't closed down. The town hadn't closed down. The police were not stopping anybody. This is this is the end of February. We're now in April. So could I have done that? Was I was I putting myself and my family under unnecessary strain? I don't think I was, and and, and that that's that's why I went out because back then the cases in this country were less than a hundred. There were no registered cases in this state. So with the restaurant still open. I didn't think I was doing a daft thing by going out to a restaurant, to a bar, having a last drink. And then that day, I have not gone outside the house to a bar, to a restaurant, which subsequently shut. I have done my social distancing because I think it's it's only fair. So whether I've made a mistake or, or, or whether I haven't, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I have. But there are others who disobey the rules. And that's probably only a very, very small percentage of people who are listening to this. But it's those who are told to stay indoors. Then they go out and they do something else. This is an ever-changing 
society and a societal problem that no one really knows where it's going to end. So we've all got to take part in the blame. But for anyone saying, oh, but you say the what about it? Bullshit. No, fair point. I I, I, I agree. I, I, I think there needs to be some more time. It needs to be discussed. And we just don't know what's going to happen next season. I mean, reconstruction's one thing that gets mentioned. I know it's it's going to be difficult to get that potentially voted in if it did come up. Um, I guess one of the ideas that was spoken about in terms of the reconstruction was the going to 14 teams in the top flight, um, which I suppose could work, because I know one of the concerns, I think, is that you need those four Rangers-Celtic games, or at least the likelihood of four Rangers Celtic games. I know they've talked about having a 14 team top tier. So 26 games, each other played twice, splits into two eights, played twice again. Then you've got the four games, probably between Rangers and Celtic, 40 games overall, um, two up from the championship potentially. And then you do two up and two up from all the other divisions, two got from league one to championship, two got from league two, uh, no pyramid playoff. And you could put, the winners of or the teams top of Lowland and Highland uh, up Brora and Kelty that would be at the moment. I guess it would in itself bring some questions if you were doing it from this point, as in the teams that were potentially in the mix to go up that wouldn't be Laurie, in the top two places. Laurie, let me ask you a question. Do yeah. you right now trust those in charge of Scottish football to do the right thing? And if they were in charge of, of reconstruction, do you trust them to do that correctly? Because for me, from the outside looking in, they look like they can organise a piss-up in a brewery. Oh, no, I, I definitely don't believe they could. And I don't think they'd want the the extra work it would bring. I think from, from their point of view, the the easier solution would be to end the season, try and protect this money and the setup and the way it is for next season. But I think it's extremely short-sighted and extremely naive because, like you've pointed out, the chance of next season going ahead as normal is is minimal. Because, you know, we're not going to get into the COVID-19 stuff because there's different theories and different experts. But, you know, the best case sort of scenario, the potential likely scenario that a lot of us are hoping for is by maybe June, and this might be possibly different in the States and different in other countries, but in the UK the feeling is maybe that by June we could start to look at lockdown being reduced if cases have got to a certain point, but it's going to be a, a long process to get back to normal. So that might be that more people can go back to work, certain other places of work open there's maybe slightly less restrictions, but this isn't going to be right yet. Let's pack out those stadiums with 20,000, 10,000, 50,000 people again. There's going to be a, there's going to be a gradual and I think yes. very careful staggered return to normality, I, I think. And things like F football will be very low down on that list. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Football is very, very different. You don't just get 22, you and 21 of your pals going to the park for a kick around. What comes with football? You cannot have a game of football at a professional level taking place without medical services in attendance. As you say, football sport is right down the bottom of the pecking order right mm -hmm. now. Oh, let's take someone, a nurse or an ambulance man or woman from a hospital that desperately needs them because they have to be in attendance at Tynecastle or Ibrox or Easter Road today. No, that ain't happening. And as I said, if we can't be six metres um, or if we can't be closer than, than six feet apart right now, are we suddenly going to get all these people together in a stadium, all these people in a bar before a game, all these people travelling on the same um, network system, whether it's buses or whether it's trains? Come on now. And that, that June thing, it's going, to be kept, it's going to be kept pushing back. We've said it before. It's like being on a motorway. You've got a four-mile jam. You get through that four-mile jam. Then the big sign says, Next 10 miles, it's going to take you an hour. You're like, shit. Then you get through that. You're like, another six-mile jam ahead. It's constantly put back. Why are we putting these dates on them? It's until further notice right now. And when we do get back, football, priority-wise, to have everyone there, to have police, to have ambulance men and women, come on now, no chance. What, what do you, what's your feeling then on, on, on the vote? Do you... 
do you think it could get passed through? Now, I was trying to double check what the what the numbers are, and I think it was something like nine from the top flight, eight championship, and fifteen between the uh, League One and League Two. Uh, what would your feelings be? That I know, I know we're making, I know we're making guesses here. We're, we we don't know. Um, I would okay. hope that I would hope that it wouldn't. If you need that, if seventy five percent is what they speak about, I think, isn't it? Uh, majority. Well, Turkeys don't vote for Christmas, right? So you're, you're going to vote for what's best for your club. This, to me, sums up Scottish football, okay? The Championship, League One, and League Two, if the vote goes their way, that'll be it. It'll be called. But if the vote goes the way in the Premiership to get the 75%, they still can't do anything about it until the UEFA meeting on the 23rd of April. Yeah. Why the fuck are we having this vote this Friday. Yeah, it's mental. It, it is crazy. You know, I just wonder what you thought of thoughts were the way it might go. I mean, I think, yeah, we're in agreement that it shouldn't be going ahead just now. But um, let's hope, let's hope it, it nothing gets voted on just now because yeah, there needs to be more time to consider this. There needs to be a lot more discussion um, and a lot more different options properly on the table. I think before they suddenly vote this through. So hopefully the the money side of it can be figured out because that is important because obviously clubs will be in difficult situations, um, some more so than others. So hopefully they find a resolution on that side of things, which gives them a bit of breathing space to to make the right call and at least get everyone involved in a discussion on it. So I guess by this time next week, we'll know how this first vote, this ridiculous vote went and we might have a lot more information to go on. Um, if you want to give us your thoughts, in, then feel free. If you had any feelings on what should happen or what could happen, you know, tweet at Around the Funnel or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. So moving on, uh, we'll have a slightly um, lighter topic uh, now, which, um, although although lighter, it is the topic of player departures that hit you hard. So, we spoke, yes, we spoke about this last week. So we we focused on Colin Cameron last week, and I mentioned that when he left for Wolves, it really did hit me hard. I was still quite young, and I couldn't couldn't really get my head around the him leaving. It was it was like that early love when you're when you're at school or whatever, and it just takes you a bit longer than it should to get over it. Um, so we put it out there to see some suggestions, and we got um, we got a lot of responses to this. So I just had to pick a few out, so I couldn't get through them all. So thank you for getting in touch. Um, HMFC France said Osman So, quite a recent one. He, he says I, I was in a pub drinking with a friend when I saw the news that he left us for China. I understand the economic reason, and I blame neither the club nor the player. But man, I loved Osman as a heart player, and and he was. He, he was a, a very talented player um, during that championship season, a big part of why we went up. And he'd started the premiership season well, but we, we just got a big fee for him. I, it was maybe maybe because of I'd got used to it by that point, but it was one of those where the deal just made sense, I think, for us to, yeah. to sell Osman. But we did miss him, and we've, we've missed someone up in that area of the park quite a bit since Kyle Lafferty filled it um, for a period. But uh, yeah, a player that I'd wouldn't turn down if he if he became available again, although probably on the proviso that he would be fit because he struggled injury-wise since. Yeah, the Dundee United spell, and then he went to Kelly, did he not? And he hasn't really set the head yeah. on fire there. Sometimes when we do homework, um, we think it's a decent bit of homework, but we don't get many responses. And other times when you think, nah, that's not the best, then you get crazy number of responses. So right now, your tweet that you put out a day ago which player departures from Hearts hit you the hardest? 131 replies, which is, is is impressive. And there's been a number of different players. I mentioned Robbo. You spoke about Colin Cameron last week. I said Colhoun. There was Osman So. Who else we got? Um, Catch22 says, at the time, Robbie Nielsen to Leicester. Don't know why, just loved him as a player. Um, he also mentions, in hindsight, Hartley to Celtic was a sickener. What a player as well. So, yeah, Robbie was one of a few players. Uh, Mark de Vries gets mentioned as well, and that was when Craig Levine was taking quite a few Hearts players to Leicester, obviously, ultimately, unsuccessfully, but um, he did tap into the, the player market that he knew quite well. 
Uh, we had Robbo from a few people. Uh, Billy Steedman um, said has to be we Robbo when he left for Newcastle. I was gutted. He must have known, was it nine months and he was back? Uh, Stu uh. says Robbo to Newcastle. I cried. Um, uh, who we got? Another legend there. Always a jambo. Says Dave Mackay was before my time, but I would have to be very disappointed when he left for Tottenham. Um, everybody should read his autobiography, The Real Mackay. Um, he was as heart as anyone could be. Uh, Scatchel, of course, gets mentioned. Um, King Andy said Scatchel to Southampton. Crying face nearly broke my heart. Um, Ian White says, no doubt it was Rudy, We all, uh, who I felt we were blessed to get. He showed great class and finishing ability. I always felt he was the type of player I would have paid to see, which was uh, becoming less common. Rudy also showed he was willing to get behind the club off the park. A true jambo. Um, Tam Sharp mentioned Rudy both times when Niemi went to Southampton, which is another good one. I was I, I was very I was gutted about that one as well actually when Ante left because he was a top keeper. Um, he was. And um, two million from him was probably at the time still quite a good fee, but uh, we I think we we turned to Roddy McKenzie briefly and then was it Tepe Moylan in? Oh yeah. Jesus! Ultimately took over until Craig Gordon oh. came through. You know when you got a name and it just reminds you of certain things and all I can remember is tights. There were games he wore tights in, whether they were extended bicycle shorts or leggings or whatever. They looked like tights and he had chicken legs and it didn't work. Uh, Preston Pan's heart, by the way, he should have saved that Gary, I think it was Gary O'Connor's late winner. Oh yeah, near post. Right, right Jesus, he went, yeah. he went down in installments. Preston Pan's hearts. The realities of Bosman hit home at a Federation rally in 1999 when David Weir won Player of the Year and in his speech he said he hoped something could be sorted for him to stay or at least sign and make us some money. Two weeks later he was off to Everton, to which Hart's rant says, yeah, probably for around £270,000. Criminally low and a lot lower than I remember. Kieran McLaughlin losing Takis was a sore one. Um, we also had George Hobb, uh, who said Ralph Callahan when he left for Newcastle? I was gutted. Don't know if it was the hardest, but it's the one I remember. I think we got hammered at Parkhead the night we left. Other players uh, mentioned Neil McCann. We spoke about him to Rangers, Fulton, Flugel, and Adam in the summer of 2002. Carol Ann, this is an interesting one. It's a player I really, really liked. Scott Crabb. She said, I still hate Joe Jordan for that. <laughs> and he, he, he was a, a died in the wool jamble. It's funny, um, when, any time I got home, which isn't very often, one of the last times I was there, I was standing with my dad at a Pennycook Athletic game. And uh, all I heard was, All right, donkey! Oh, Jesus. Who's this? It was Crabble. And his son plays, or uh, I think he still does, plays for Pennycook. And he's, he's exactly the same. He's, he's, the, he's the little blonde-haired laddie with the big blue eyes like, that still, to this day, can't believe he got a chance to play for Hearts. Those are the type of players that Hearts fans fell in love with. Yeah, Harry Temple said, Scott Crabb, I remember standing behind the goals for his last game when he threw his strip into the crowd. I think the whole of the school end was in tears that day. Um, Always a jamble (laughs) says, when I was young, there was a left back called Arthur Mann who went to Man City for, I think, about 70,000, which would have been a lot at that time. I remember fans were very upset at the next matches and he asked the Hearts Heritage, the Hearts Museum or London Hearts, wherever you want to refer to them, the account if they're correct. They didn't get a chance to reply yet, but I had a quick look on London Hearts and they said um, that that is indeed correct. Arthur was originally with Hearts and played in the 1968 Scottish Cup final defeat against Dunfermline. In November of that year, he moved to Manchester City and won a League Cup final medal uh, following victory over West Bromwich Albion in 1970. And you were very close to the transfer fee, always a jambo. It was apparently, on London Hearts, it stated it was £65,000 that he moved for. Um, Daniel McIver, or Daniel McIver, uh, apologies for the wrong pronunciation. Controversial, but Stephen Presley. He was my first favourite player as I started going to games in 2004, was driving back home after a game and heard he had left, just burst into tears in the back of the car. More recently, Callum Patterson. Best academy player we've had so far. That would make a good homework. Who's been the best, in your opinion, the best player that played for Hearts having come through the Hearts Academy? I'm just not be up there. It's a good one, yeah. A couple of good ones. I, I, I loved Stephen Presley. I was one of the ones that... There's a lot of Hearts fans I know who have never forgiven Presley for 
the not necessarily just the move to Celtic, but a certain chest chest thumping moment in front of the Roseburn end, which yeah, none, none, none of us have ever made mistakes uh, <laughs> in our life, but most of us when we make mistakes uh, apologize, and uh, that apology um, never never really was was forthcoming, was it? <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I get that. I, I I still I still have a lot of respect for what Presley did at Hearts. I thought he was a great captain and. It didn't end how he would have wanted, but um, uh, yeah, Callum Patterson as well. Uh, I, I really miss Callum Patterson. I mean, he was he was one of those not just a, a really good player for Hearts, but a character. You just um, on the field, you just see he was he was someone who, I guess, his aggression and his passion, um, his confidence, I think, helped the team as a whole. He was a big personality in the team but also just the fun side of it the ridiculous uh-huh. the ridiculous uh-huh. celebrations and such like uh, he was just a great person and he's carried that down to england and he's obviously become very popular with with cardiff as well so yeah certainly someone who who's such a big person for hearts when they were coming back up gutted when we lost them mm. uh, pants pants shat on <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, yeah uh, malakovsky to oks 1945 Olskian. In 2009, <laughs> we were all gutted when Zibby left. Uh, Willie Wallace from PEM Fergie was my first hero, kind of dates me. Um, speaking of older players or players that played in an older era, Donald Ford, I would have loved to have seen Donald Ford play. David Reed mm-hmm. said when Donald Ford left to go to Falkirk, uh, Jambo Hendo, I loved Donald. Again, um, I'm lucky and fortunate in that Hearts runs in my family, so for I can ask my dad what was he like. Um, my uncle Ali, when he played in Dundee, I was like, well, I can say to him, he was a goalkeeper. What was it like facing Donald Ford? So I'm kind of fortunate. Um, I would have loved to have seen uh, him play. Drew Busby is another that, that's been mentioned um, towards the, the kind of newer era. Nicky Carruthers. I loved Paul Ritchie when I was wee. I was gutted um, when he did that Rangers News interview and then obviously ended up signing for them. Neil McCann and the whole Stephen Presley saga. I loved him too. Uh, it's funny, it was... It, it kind of snowballed, didn't it? Because I, said, I think everybody has a player who that you, you kind of... Look, there's those that leave and you go, thank God for that, because we just didn't like <laughs> them for whatever reason. But everyone, I think, has a player. You, I don't think you become as, as attached to a football club without being as attached to at least one player. That yeah. When they do leave, you're just like, oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I'll just quickly go through the um, last some of these that I've noted down. Um Stephen says, hated when Le Juge left, thought he could have been a legend. I was gutted as well, Stephen, because Le Juge, that big French flag, that was mine in Section G. I, I was left with a big French flag that said Brelier Le Juge, which I sold to Norwich City. Norwich City. What? Yeah. Wait, I've not heard this story. No? Well, you would have you would have been in the main sign, so you'd have seen my Le Juge French flag. I'm, and, I'm, I'm talking about this... this Sold to Norwich City. Yeah. Was it was it coming out of contract? Did you have to get rid of it for a cheaper fee, or did no, you get the, full transfer value for it? No, I got. I think I got about half, maybe, of what it cost. But um, it was a Norwich City fans group or something bought it <laughs> from me, and they sent a picture of him holding it in the stand at Carroll Road back to me. You, you need a better agent. You got half of what you paid for it. That is the world's worst well, deal. Yeah. Well, actually, but I didn't pay for it everyone contributed around me there so oh, here we go here i we probably go. should have been going around and giving them half of what they gave me but well I you didn't. stole from your friends well well no because i can't remember what everyone put in there people chipped in fivers and tenors and stuff did you there. offer them money back i don't think so Thief. no Thief. awful <laughs> i was a nice guy I <laughs> <was> funny <laughs> it's, the next tweet i'm going to mention is from heart of gold 98 that's not you Look. He said, Eamon Bannon. I want, no, this, this flag thing has really hurt me now. Well, I, I, yeah, I've not got a good answer for it. But I'm talking, I mean, if I remember top of my head, it was maybe like 80 quid or something. Doesn't matter. Um, Doesn't matter. You're not honest. Look. That is awful. Look. Fuck it off. Um, anyway, I wish I'd have brought that up. Sorry. Look, there if, obviously if, a reason why. If, if, anyone, if anyone in... If anyone who sat in Section G and contributed to that flag originally would um, would like half of what they gave me back, then let me know. I will, I, I'm sure you can remember that as much as I can. Too late. Too um, late. 
Yeah, whatever. Derek, anyway. Derek Gray, enough, <laughs> we're done with that. Derek Gray says, Eddie Thompson, uh, who went to Australia. Um, Ed Lee, Tosh McKinley to Celtic was a huge loss to a great team. I was a ball boy at Tynecastle at the time and have fond memories of his speed on the left. We've lost a lot of greats over the years. Hearts, hearts, glorious hearts. Yeah, we have. But you know what? I don't mind players coming to hearts and wanting to better themselves and get to a better club because there's only one or two clubs in the world that's the pinnacle. So if they get a better club and a good move out of it, it's because they've done well at hearts and I'm all for that. Indeed, Mrs. Miko, uh, 1874, said, I'm also going to say Lee Miller, because he could, should have signed for us, was clearly going to be huge, but Romanov was a dick and blew it. Got to see a talent <laughs> slip through our fingers like that. Um, Alan says, Rousse, we made a flag for him that said, Au revoir, Gilles, merci on it. Uh, can't seem to find any pictures of it, unfortunately. I actually remember... Uh, no, it's, it's, it's now, I last saw that at Carroll Road, um, Norwich Bottom. <laughs> and I got the money. Um, <laughs> Rousse, I actually remember him coming back for a game, I think it was the last game of the season against Dundee, maybe two years after he left, and I just remember he was on the the loudspeaker, it must it, it must have been before the game, and I think he'd said, or it was at half-time, and he said, uh, I am a Jambo, and I will always be a Jambo. Was and, he Indian? Oh, fuck off. Yeah, yeah, look, I wasn't trying to put on a good accent here. Um, he says, Alan also says, Juanjo and Andy Kirk. And Juanjo was a good one, actually. I, I, I was gutted when Juanjo left. And do you remember when we were, we had, there was the whole Save Our Hearts had started and the Pie Man was getting the abuse the Pie Man got. And I'm sure there was at one point chance of Juanjo must stay, Pie Man must go. Um, Maybe. I recall that when he was out of, he was going to be out of contract and the fans wanted him to stay at me being one of them and and that was said. I, I'm going to end this quickly with a story actually because someone had mentioned Mike Galloway being got out of Oh work. good, I'm glad you said it because I was, I was going to wait till you'd finish this because that's ah, the one I wanted to mention as well. Okay. Please go ahead. Legally Mad Ideas on Twitter um, the name says Comrades, I, I have a wee story about Mikey Galloway Working in a Pitlochry hotel, me and my mate, a crazy loud jambo, always singing the Mikey, Mikey, Mikey Galloway chant. One morning, we found out the Proclaimer twins were staying in the place we worked. Going down the hill, we spotted both brothers and one wife walking up. Kevin went straight into full Mikey chant mode. Until they reached us, both were laughing out loud, belly laughs, excellent banter, good sports. Then the mother of all shocks came, Big Kevin Hood's way. One of the brothers had a copy of the Daily Record and it turned out, he turned it around to show the back page which showed Big Mikey now in a Celtic top. I started pissing myself. He was never the same. It gutted him. Every time Big Kev was in the kitchen, the chef would chant, Mikey, Mikey, Mikey. (laughs) Mark Smith mentioned Mike Galloway as well. I believe, you know you know how your mind plays tricks on you. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure that Mike Galloway went out with a girl from Pennycook's sister. I remember the girl, I think he went out with her sister. And I also believe that he had a car accident uh, on the back road up to Pennycook um, coming out of West Linton. Um, and he was hurt as a result of that. I don't know if that was Hearts or Celtic time, but I loved Mike Galloway. And any time I hear Mike Galloway... I just think of the what I think is the most offside goal in history um, when well, it certainly looks like that yeah. in, in the Prater Stadium in, in Vienna where Walter Kidd somehow is, is played. He's onside, is he? There's not a, there's not a camera angle that, that proves that he was onside. So it just looks really offside. And uh, it was like, oh, jeez, Galloway makes a run. That, he had a really good scoring run in Europe. Um, St. Pat's, we played Austria-Vienna, that was the Velez Mostar year, um, and at, maybe that was the, the run that, um, that brought him to attention of, of Celtic in addition to what he did in, in, in Scotland, but I love Mikey Galloway as a, as, as a player. We've had some good ones over the years, haven't we? We certainly have. Um, so thank you for getting in touch on that one. Um, some, some good comments, some good feedback, uh, and we'll move on. Okay, so uh, that about brings us to the end. Uh, I'm going to read out a quick message I got, actually, uh, from Kelman Chambers. 
who I had mentioned before, he's, he's had some comments that I've read out. He says, just dropping you a note to say thanks for the podcast. An old school friend heard me getting a mention on it and managed to find me online and got in touch. We managed to get together for a beer last time I was back, probably the first for over 25 years. So thanks again and keep up the good work. So look at that. We, we've, we're getting people together. I, I thought that was quite a nice nice message. I appreciated that from Kelman. So thank you. And I'm glad that we managed to, to get two old friends back together. Obviously, just now, with social distancing and the like, we will not be encouraging people to get together. We'll save that for when we're past this difficult period. And for now, you know, stick to, to Skype like Mark and I or Zoom, if as long as you're watching your passwords and don't do house party or maybe you should who knows it's all rumors it's all myths it's all hoaxes who Just knows look look do what you're fucking told if you're told to stay in, stay in. <laughs> jesus it's not difficult it really isn't it really isn't um okay before we go do you i, I know you mentioned potential homework as best academy graduate for hearts do you want to keep it as that or i i do but i've got supplementary homework for oh, you supplementary homework for me Yes, okay. I want you to research um, everybody that paid in oh, to the collection for that flag and to reach out to them and ask them, do they want some of their money back? Because otherwise, you've been <laughs> out of your conscience forever. Yeah. Look at me. Ba, 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 ba. I, had to, I had to arrange for the flag and get it printed. and then Okay, to, you're allowed to, a service fee. I had to lug it around to Tinkcastle and away games. So How know. did you get it to Norwich? Who paid for the postage? Oh, Christ, I can actually remember. You can claim some of that back. Do your accounts. But you are old people money, son. And by this time next week, I want them at least notified that they've maybe <laughs> due some money. That's your supplementary homework <laughs> just for you. Do as you're told. Like everyone else, if you're told to stay in, stay in. For you, pay up to everyone else. And for you nice people, your homework is your... Who do you think is the best player Hearts have produced through their academy? Simple. There you go. Tweet at Around the Funnel or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Give us your, your thoughts on that. So Best Academy um, graduate who's performed for Hearts um, and give us your thoughts on what's going on in terms of league reconstruction or not and decisions to be made by the SPFL or not or, or just anything else. Yeah, give us a message and I'm sure we'll be able to fill another hour next week. Uh, until then, au revoir in an Indian accent. जब भी कोई लड़की देखूं मेरा दिल दीवाना बोले ओले 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 दाव तराना यारा झूम झूम के हो